0: Wilderness areas, for those who don't know, are places where you can't have any mechanized travel. You have to walk or ride a horse or a llama or something. Maybe a a camel if you can get one up here. But you can't take a mountain bike in even. I could have taken my llama. In wilderness areas, you could have taken your llama. If you didn't take your llama, I left
1: it home. I don't know. I did not know I could take the llama. Episode 279, Backpacking in the Lost Creek Wilderness of Colorado. This episode is sponsored in part by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people. Learn more and get a free quote online at healthiq.com adventure. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville.
0: My friends, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I am really excited about the guest that we have today. This fellow was born in Spain. He moved to the U.S. at a very young age, and he grew up in Connecticut. There, he rode a lot of dirt bikes and got into a lot of mischief, but eventually moved to Colorado. His adventure sports include climbing 14ers, mountain biking, adventure motorcycles, trail bikes, skiing, snowboarding, backpacking, a little rock climbing, and even sailing, But since motorcycles are such a passion for him, he has the distinction of having more bugs in his teeth than anyone else I personally know. Your friend and mine, Travis Parsons. What a cornball intro. Really? (laughs) (laughs) You did that to me? (laughs) I had to. So, as you all know, Travis, I still call him the co-host of the Adventure Sports Podcast, Um, did hundreds of shows, and... He is doing a lot more back-end work, and I'm doing more of the front-end work now. But we decided to do a show together because he just did a backpacking trip, and we have some other business to talk about today. I hope you don't mind that we have just us instead of one of our spectacular guests. But I think Travis is pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, what's not spectacular about me, Curtis? uh, (laughs) Do tell.
0: (laughs) So, anyway, the reason that I pulled Travis on today is... I'm always looking for people who are kind of getting into a sport, to give that getting into the sport perspective. And Travis is not a newbie to backpacking, but he's not done a ton of it. And he went on a pretty cool backpacking trip this weekend. So I wanted to get his perspective about that. So Travis, before we do that, why don't we rewind a little bit? You know, we always give the backstory and people haven't heard yours. So why did you move to Colorado? You really put me on the spot now. Uh huh. So that's what we do to all the guests. Yeah,
1: my decision to move to Colorado was actually born in a bar where all good decisions are made, right? So my (laughs) buddy uh, Ray and I were were sitting in a bar one night, and we're we'd both been in Connecticut for quite some time, and I liked Connecticut just fine, but we were in the bar and we were talking about what we would like to do, you know, as uh, young twenty somethings, and, and I said, you know, I've been out to Colorado. Um, skiing a few times as a kid on on vacations and I would really like to to go live in Colorado or live by the mountains I'd like to do Colorado or or maybe Utah so literally by the end of the night you know a, a few hours of batting it back and forth we had decided that we were both quitting our jobs in a month and we were going to pack up a, a rider truck and bring uh, what little we owned out to Colorado and we did just that we've both saved money and and quit our jobs and and hightailed it to to Colorado so we got here. Um, I guess it was 1997, and I've been here ever since. So it was really on a whim. I came out here kind of thinking I might be a ski bum and, you know, and and do that, play that role. But it really ended up into careers. You know, we didn't plan on it, but we ended up there anyway. But it's all turned out well, and there's uh, plenty of adventure here. We've been taking advantage of it ever since.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You know, my story is pretty similar. I graduated from college. And I had lived in Colorado for a year prior, but I graduated from college in Oklahoma. And the next day after graduation, I loaded up my Bronco 2 and moved back to Colorado. I said, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's going to be in Colorado, whatever it is. And I think Colorado does that for people who love adventure just because it offers so much of it, you know?
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. When I moved out here, I thought, man, I am going to Colorado for the winters and to ski. And, you know, there's a saying in Colorado is when you get here, you know, people come for the snow and they realize they stay for the summers because the summers are so absolutely beautiful. The snow melts away in the mountains. You can go up there and it's cool and you just get to, uh, go adventure in cool weather up at altitudes. So that's definitely worth staying for, uh, for the summers, but I'm not inviting anybody out or anything like that. I'm just, no. I mean, we have our, our downsides. It's terrible. We have forest fires and wind and all kinds of things. We have Blizzards. Yeah. The bubonic plague, that kind of stuff that you really have to deal with. But you know, if you're, if you're a true adventurer, maybe you can put up with it. You know, I don't know. I'd,
0: Maybe. I, yeah, the the state is so overloaded with so many people right now that new people can't even fit. So right. definitely, this is not a Colorado infirmary.
1: No, we all sleep in um, like cots, like you would on the Appalachian Trail. You know, in a in a bunk room. So we all sleep on top of each other here in
0: this state. Yep, yep. With more people per square foot than most places, you know,
1: <laughs> more so than India, I believe. I think we've exceeded India's population. <laughs>
0: No, Colorado is pretty awesome. We I, This isn't a Colorado infomercial, but I did want to kind of get the perspective because Travis and I both love living in Colorado so much, and I actually, Travis, I made a list of adventure sports in Colorado. This is nuts, but I have to do it. Um, of course, Colorado has 39,000 miles of trails, we just found out this week. Uh, 58 fourteeners to climb, has all the ski areas to ski and snowboard. White water rafting and kayaking, river rafting without the white water, canyon trips, that kind of thing. Lots of fantastic motorcycling on and off road, backpacking, skydiving, rock climbing, road biking, mountain biking, camping, stand up paddleboard, winter camping, backcountry skiing. It almost it goes on and on. I could talk all night about all the stuff you can do here, and a lot of those things you can do in every one of the 50 states, but not all of them.
1: Oh yeah, there's a ton. And it was actually your lovely wife. I have to to bring up where well, you said that we've just discovered there's 39,000 miles of of hiking trails. It was Anne that actually sent the link over to us um, for the the Colorado Trail Explorer map. And this thing is awesome. I want to uh, I want to bring it up because I want to go ahead and throw the link in. Uh, on the oh, okay. show notes for this episode i think it's so worth sharing i mean ever ever since i got it what yesterday morning i've been sharing it to all kinds of people that uh, i think could use it because if you're a, a hiker or mountain biker um you know even a horseback rider this this thing basically lets you go on and just explore every trail in the state and everything about it and all kinds of layers to go in and uh, to plan your trip or see if you even want to go in the first place so I'm going to put that in the show notes when I edit this this episode because I want you guys to be able to check this one out as well.
0: Yeah, I I didn't spend as much time on it as you did, but I think a lot of those trails are also off-road vehicle trails. So they're all backpackable, but some of them are a little bit more like an ATV trail, and then some of them are backpacking only in the wilderness areas. So to get to 39,000, maybe there's a slight stretch there.
1: Well, I mean, an ATV trail is is good for people that like to ride motorcycles, you know. That's not a stretch. Absolutely. Okay. You're right. You're 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 right, right, though. It's not hiking trails. It's trails. Trails. Okay. That's why they don't call it the Colorado Hiking Trail Explorer map.
0: Well, (laughs) let's, let's go to Lost Creek Wilderness. And I want to do that because, first of all, wilderness areas, for those who don't know, are places where you can't have any mechanized travel. You have to walk or ride a horse or a llama or something, maybe a... A camel, if you can get one up here. But you can't take a mountain bike in even. I could have so taken my llama. In wilderness areas. You could have taken your llama. If you didn't take your llama. i then, left it home. I don't know. I did not know I could take the llama.
1: All right, keep going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Lost Creek Wilderness is the wilderness area where you did your backpacking trip. And I think it's really kind of unique in Colorado. It's unlike other places I've been. What did you think of it?
1: I loved it. I mean, we'll get into the story. Um, Unfortunately, it wasn't a complete trip, and I'll get into why. Um, But what I missed was, I think, the most beautiful part. You know, I had looked up pictures, as Mm. we all do before we go. And even you had, you know, you had pointed a few things out um, that I was really looking forward to getting to, and we didn't quite get there. Uh, We'll go into it. But what I did see was absolutely beautiful, and I can't wait to go back again for sure. So, Lost Creek is south of Bailey. Um, if people know Colorado at all, it's uh, Highway 285 heading out into the, to the mountains to the um, west and southwest. So, if you get to Bailey and uh, essentially hang a left, it's down uh, as a crow flies, just under Bailey um, in Fair Play. So, it's that part of Colorado, really, um, really, you know, due southwest of Denver, I guess. It's, I think it's the closest wilderness to Denver.
0: Um, I don't know if it's the closest. It is one of the close ones. I mean, there's James Peak and Indian Peaks, and they would run a, a race for who's closest, I think, but definitely a very close one. Um, One thing that I think is unique about it is that it's a little bit lower in elevation than most of the wilderness areas, <laughs> and it has rock formations that you don't see in other parts of the state right. that I think are really unique. There's one place, I don't know if you got to see it. But one place where you can stand kind of on this rise and you're looking into a valley and it's like a mini Yosemite. There's a half dome, there's an arch, Mm -hmm. and there are all sorts of of full domes and rock outcroppings. They're not as big as Yosemite, obviously, but I'm just kind of blown away by what there is there.
1: Yeah, it's like the the Lost Creek hoodoos, you know. But no, I know what you're talking about. uh, Yeah, it's a totally different um, landscape than I've seen in Colorado down there. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I like to go there early like you did. I like to do it in May or something like that before it gets too warm because I think it can be one of the warmer uh, wilderness areas. I like to go for the altitude in the summer when things warm up, but I'm kind of a cold weather guy. So it doesn't sound like it was too warm for you though.
1: You know, it, was, it, it wasn't It was bad except we had, you know, typical Colorado uh, weather in the afternoon. So when we we went out um, to hike it on – it was supposed to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, a three-day, uh, 25-mile loop out there. And what I did is I went out the previous night on Thursday evening and slept in my van um, in the parking lot so I could be nice and fresh. And the other guys came up uh, in the morning on Friday morning. But they were looking or they're calling for 80% chance of rain on Fridays. We pretty much knew we were going to get wet, at least at some point during that day. Um, So that's what made it a little chilly. It was actually 35 degrees uh, that night. And then uh, I think the other two nights would have been warmer. But we didn't quite get to the other two nights.
0: Mm. Well, we we could do a show on your van, but we won't do that right now but travis has he got a van and he he set it up to be an adventure wagon and he's got a lift kit and he's got a bed in there and a sink and he's got it set up with an awning and even a side tent and the top has the rack that can hold all the gear and it's just awesome when you say sleep in the van people ought to know this is like adventure luxury oh yeah
1: if you want a van that is just big enough for you but just small enough to keep the wife and kids out you should lift A GMC Safari. (laughs) My wife doesn't listen to the show. So you should lift a GMC Safari and it's perfect for a one-person adventure van. I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) Well, it's cool because it's all-wheel drive. It may not be four-wheel drive, but for 99% of what people do, you don't really need the four-wheel drive anyway. Right, right. Yeah, it does what I need to do. So anyway, yeah, I went up you just don't have the
1: low range. Right, right. Um, So I went up that Thursday evening and and... Uh, had a good night's sleep in the right there in the parking lot and uh and woke up in the morning so these guys uh they show up at about eight thirty I guess it is and it was funny the um the parking lot had quite a few cars in it. We were a little surprised for Friday morning, especially the weekend after memorial day weekend. And I thought, where the heck are all these people? And usually people would get that out of their systems on Memorial Day weekend and you go camping the following weekend because you know, there's not as many people out there. Well, we soon found out where they all were. I don't know what kind of group they were, but we were, um, I don't think we were 10 minutes in on the trail. And I, it must've been 15 or 20, this line of 15 or 20 backpackers coming out of the out of the woods, down the trail, all in one big group. <laughs> and the lead guy <laughs> had himself a Bluetooth uh, little boombox, and he was playing music for them all. <laughs> 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 so what kind of wilderness is this, man? <laughs> We're playing little boombox music. It's Motown. Yes. <laughs> so I think that accommodated <laughs> or accounted for uh, you know 80% of the, the cars in that parking lot, which is pretty interesting. But.
0: Yeah, it, it's a popular place. So you were at the Goose Creek Trailhead, is that Wait, right? Where we went to,
1: we met at Goose Creek Trailhead, and then went up to, um, oh, what is it called? We went up to the left, um, out west. Help me out, man. It is called.
0: Yeah, I don't have the map memorized.
1: Hankins Pass. Yeah, it was Hankins Pass Trail that goes uh, to the west from Goose Creek. And then our intention was to go Hankins Pass to, uh, McCurdy trail and then go North up over the plateau and then down into the Valley. And that Valley, uh, on the North end of this loop was the, the one that, you know, has all the views that I was, I was really dying to see. Um, so our plan was 10 miles the first day, uh, eight miles the second day and seven miles the third day, obviously with, uh, two camp nights in there. And, uh, you know, the weather-wise, it all held up for us. You know, we kept getting little little spouts of rain, and you know, of course, I probably jinxed the heck out of it by each time I said, "Ooh, if that's all the rain we get, you know, <laughs> we're doing great." Um, but you know, so we had little bouts of rain, and it was it was fine until we got about you know I would say eight, maybe seven or eight miles in, and the rain really moved in at that point, and that was all of a sudden that was the eighty percent that they had been forecasting. And one of the guys um, that came with us, we were, it was three of us, he showed up with an oxygen canister. And I was, one, I didn't realize you could buy oxygen um, in a store. You know, you always see people on Everest and, and high altitude using oxygen. But apparently you can just buy these aluminum canisters of oxygen and and suck on some O2 when you, you really need it. So... It was kind of funny. I was ribbing him a little bit for having oxygen um, because he lives in Denver, but I didn't realize that he had had altitude problems in the past. And uh, he's really from Tennessee, but has been living out here for work for the last few years. So we were just kind of joking around about it but nothing, nothing big, but um yeah. Unfortunately, at about nine and a half miles into the trip, we've got lightning crashing down all around us. It's pouring rain. I've got my poncho on. It's barely covering my pack. You know, go back to some of the newbie stuff, um, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, my, my bag's getting soaked and I've, my shoes are soaked because the poncho is, you know, just running down right on top of my shoes. And this guy just starts hacking and coughing and he's just dogging. And, you know, we were on this really steep ascent and he had been fine the whole day. Um, you know, so we're trying to figure out what the heck's up with him. Well, it turns out he was having a bout of, of altitude sickness and it was about nine, nine and a half thousand feet. You know, it's not that high up from what we're used to, but it was really, really setting in with him. So we had to uh, kind of evaluate what we were going to do because our camp was going to be up at about 10, 10, 5, That night, and you know, this Mm. guy's having that much trouble. We knew we couldn't take him further up. You know, there's no way he's gonna deal with camping up at that altitude. We had to get him back down. But the problem was, we had just hiked through a valley. Uh, we stopped and had lunch in a valley, and that was the only altitude that we could drop. So we could really only take him down to just under 9,000 feet. Otherwise, we would have, you know, in order to get out that night, we would have had to hike, um, uh, I think at that point, an additional six or seven miles um, from that valley back up over 9,500 feet and then back to the parking lot. So it wasn't really an option for us. It was like camp in the valley and, and hope this all works out. So that's ultimately what wow. we ended up doing with them. You know, we took them down there, and like I said, it was pouring down rain. Luckily, by the time we set up camp, um, it had stopped raining. But, you know, setting up camp and rain and, you know, and all that stuff is terrible. You know, nobody <laughs> nobody wants to have to deal with that. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was actually my – it was really my first, uh, you know, my first endeavor to into, into seeing somebody dealing with altitude sickness.
0: Yeah, interesting. You know, I've said on the show several times that it's not necessarily – that you have to go really high to deal with altitude sickness because some people are more susceptible and some people are not susceptible and then all of a sudden they're surprised by it right. for whatever reason when they go on a trip. You know, It sounds like he knew that it was a possibility, so he was trying to be prepared, but holy cow, it sounds like he was starting to get pulmonary edema already.
1: Yeah. And I was worried about that. I made a joke. You know, me, I joke about everything. Life is a joke. Um, But, you know, I started, I made the comment I said, well, if he starts, you know, taking off his clothes, you know, claiming that he's he's (laughs) too hot, you know, we need to maybe push the button on the spot tracker and and fly the helicopter in and and take his butt out of there. But. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, luckily he didn't get to that. Um, he didn't go goofy on us. He just had a real hard time with it. And, you know, it's, and it's tough, you know, I, I've never felt any of the effects of altitude sickness, but you know, it made me think, well, it doesn't mean I never will at the same time, you know, I was kind of making cracks about the guy having oxygen, but it made me think, you know, a little, just having a little bottle with you, is <laughs> probably not a bad idea, you know, just take a, a hit if you have to happen to feel a headache coming on, you know? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I I do have altitude sickness. And uh, because I sleep at almost 9,000 feet every night, I have that little advantage that I'm kind of acclimated before I start. So normally when I climb a 14 or now, it doesn't bother me too much. I can feel it a little bit. But for me, it's just, you know, I get a little dizzy, a little upset stomach. Um, but I've had some, some times where the altitude really kicked my butt and it's not fun. So yeah, I feel for the guy. So that kind of changed the whole plan for the trip then.
1: It did. Yeah. We had to
0: decide at that point
1: what to do, but you know, it was obviously you'd like to, you'd like it to all work out, you know, and all of a sudden the the guy's magically better in the morning and, and go ahead and continue. But the problem was we had given ourselves three days to, to do these 25 miles, which is not an insane amount of distance, but if you want a nice trip you know the the eight to eleven mile range is is it's a nice range because it allows you to do a decent hike in the day but also set up camp you know when it's not dark and you know and relax and have a little bit of a recovery time so what that meant is we didn't have time even if he got better, we didn't have time to go ahead and and continue the loop because we would have had to go back up um you know that three miles plus the additional um eight that day at a minimum to get to the other camp and with the unknown, whether he was going to be okay with it or not. So ultimately we ended up hiking back out, which meant another, that was seven miles the next day to come up over the, the rise that we had crossed um, coming in on Friday and, you know, up to, I think it was, I guess, like I said, it was 9,500 feet up that rise and then back down and out. Um, So it made another decent, day of hiking but it was nothing uh crazy exerting uh, but he got out he was fine and uh he was tuckered no doubt i think he uh he realized he gave himself a beating that day so i was uh mm. i was asking when we were going to reschedule you know the the trip to go back up and retrieve the lung that i think he might have left up there <laughs> poor guy <laughs> he was he was hacking pretty bad so This episode is sponsored in part by Health IQ. Health IQ advocates for a health-conscious lifestyle. Do you exercise five times a week? If so, you deserve lower rates on life insurance, don't you? Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including avid cyclists, runners, strength trainers, vegans, and more. In fact, research has shown that those who frequently exercise with intensity have 22% lower cancer risk, 56% lower heart disease risk, and up to 34% lower risk of early death. Historically, you get penalized for family history, BMI, and other attributes, but you don't get rewarded for your health-conscious lifestyle. Health IQ rewards you for your health-conscious lifestyle with special rates on life insurance. Learn more and get a free quote at healthiq.com adventure. That's healthiq.com adventure. And we thank them for sponsoring our show.
0: Go up and do it clockwise instead of counterclockwise, and if you did, you'd hit the the crazy valley that you were looking forward to seeing first mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I had thoughts of of actually continuing because you know I had planned on being out there and I was in my own vehicle, so I had thoughts of just going ahead and, and doing that uh, goose creek you know on the doing it counterclockwise clockwise like you're saying um. But I'll have to tell you, we were joking about how many people are in Colorado. When we got back to the, the Goose Creek parking lot, it was full-on door-to-door packed with cars probably 100 yards down the road, you know, lining the side of the road. There wasn't even enough room back there. And Goose Creek, even though its proximity to Denver is good, it's not an enjoyable drive to get back there. I mean, it's a long A long drive on washboarded road. So this is – I wouldn't look at this area as a day hike area for me personally. It's like if I go back there, I want to take a pack and stay back there. But, man, that lot was so full – So it's kind of one of those things like, okay, they weren't on the section of trail we're on, so they must all be on the Goose Creek Trail. (laughs) And At that point, it was like, no way And heck I'm going to go out there and and try to find a place to camp with all these people and and their boom boxes. So I
0: (laughs) bail. They may or may not have a boom box. (laughs) You know, it is kind of like a, a mini Yosemite, though, and I think it does draw a lot of people because it's so fascinating. Right. And like you said, it's a long drive, which makes it not a great day trip, but you can see all that in a day trip if you don't mind the drive. Um, But it's a fascinating place. I have to tell people why it's called Lost Creek. There's a place where um, Lost Creek goes underground several different times. And it goes through caverns and rock piles and stuff like that. And it's just pretty cool to see this eh, medium-sized creek that just vanishes and pops out again somewhere else and vanishes and pops out again somewhere else. So it's neat. And because of that, those formations, you know, the Creek has created just amazing terrain in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it has. Yeah. The, the water features are, are really cool. It was something to, to stop and, and be bewildered by for sure. Yeah. I think I counted roughly just looking at the topo map, I counted something like 16 Creek crossings, you know, in this, this round trip loop. And luckily, you know, that what we had hit had all had, uh, you know, logs or, or even some flattened, you know, log bridges across it. Um, but my understanding was there was one section of the river that was waist high that you did had to have to uh, to wade across. But we hadn't gotten there to see how it was because that water was running pretty pretty fiercely up there this weekend. There was a lot of rain and a lot of snow melt going on.
0: Yeah, it's a time of the year for that for sure. Yep, wild. So you had a rainy experience, got fairly cool. You had your new Big Agnes bag with you, right? So we got to talk about how that performed.
1: I do. I have to say, you know, so I I wanted to get a winter trip in this winter and it just, things got too busy. We never managed to get one in. And I really wanted to put that bag to the test, you know, in there in the, in the snow. Um, but this was still a pretty good test for it because one, I thought the bag was going to be wet, you know, when I... You know, finally set up camp because I, I alluded to the the newbie comment earlier. Um, in that, I didn't have a pack cover. The only thing I had covering my my pack was my poncho, which didn't fully cover it. So I was really nervous. That I was going to be sleeping in a soggy down uh, bag, which is not fun for anybody. Mm, but right. I say that because the bag ended up being my one solace. You know of the of the situation. It was. Uh, it ended up getting down to thirty five. Uh, that night, which was good because you know a few more degrees and we would have been sleeping in the snow, and I wasn't really set up to sleep in the snow. I had just taken a tarp where I could fold it into a triangle, you know, with open ends. Um, and the reason I did that is I usually hammock camp. I've adopted the whole hammock setup and and I love it. But one of the things I needed to do with this uh, Big Agnes bag was test it with the pad because the Big Agnes uh, sleep systems include the pad. It's part of the the bag because the bags aren't built with insulation on the underside. They use the, the pad for that. Um, so I had ditched the whole hammock setup and brought just a tarp to keep weight down so I could use this pad. Um, but it was honestly, it was my solace in the whole wet and cold situation. It was the dry place for me, and I absolutely loved the bag and pad for that reason. It was just, it was one of those days where you're just looking for, for some, some sort of comfort, some element of comfort to turn to, and it was that bag for me. So, um, mini review on the bag, it was awesome. It was, again, it wasn't, it's a zero degree bag. I didn't sleep in zero degree weather with it on this trip, but it was absolutely toasty. I, in fact, I had a pair of long pants and a t-shirt on and some socks and, 35 degrees. Again, it's not frigid, but I was having to strip all that off, you know, just down to boxer shorts and T-shirt in that bag. It was so warm. So it was definitely impressive. And the, uh, the pad that it comes with um, was the two-track pad. It's their warmest uh, ground pad that they sell. And that thing was awesome. I mean, the other guy was uh, complaining about being cold, uh, sleeping on the ground. He was just in a, in a tent. But he was cold sleeping on his pad, and I felt nothing like that in this big Agnes system. So those guys sent me that bag for review, and I will uh, I will do a, a longer review on it in colder weather. But I have to say, just using it on this trip... Um, And using it in the the weather that I had it in, I absolutely loved it. I think my only complaint with it was I couldn't get the zipper over when I really had to escape the tarp to go have a a midnight pee. But you know how that works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can never get your bag. You might have that issue with every bag. (laughs) Exactly. They don't have the quick release. No, no. And if it's a
1: warm bag, they got that little flap over there to protect the the zipper, you know, from the air. But it also protects you from getting out of it in a hurry, which, (laughs) (laughs) oh, well
0: so I don't I don't know your bag I haven't seen it but I know that some big Agnes bags they come with insulation on top and on the bottom there's not hardly insulation because they use the the sleeping pad to provide the bottom insulation it's a cool idea because it cuts down the weight so you get a warmer bag with less weight so is that one of those
1: it is yeah it's um it's exactly what it is you in order to use the bag you have to use the the um, the ground pad with it because it slips into a sleeve and I would say there's probably I don't know a foot I feel like that's about a foot 12 inches of uninsulated um, portion on the bottom of the bag so that one keeps the weight down um, two makes your your sleeping pad the insulation, You know, for the the system itself, because if you're laying on the insulation in your bag, you're pretty much squashing it down and your R value becomes nothing at that point. Oh, yeah, that
0: doesn't work anyway.
1: Yeah, so my big draw to this type of sleep system was that because I do hammock camp and if you take a hammock uh, in, if you don't have a a real warm quilt and you want to use your sleeping bag, well, then you have this whole mess of bag to to contend with inside that hammock where this thing by having the, the bottom side um, just thin like that allows you to have a little bit more of a a top quilt, you know, without having to deal with all of that insulation. So it's i I'm looking forward to also using it in the hammock as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So this really isn't a gear review, but I wanted to hear about that because uh, I know that um, I've not used that kind of sleep system. But I think it's a great idea because you can get a warmer bag that compresses smaller and it's lighter weight and you still have your pad, but your pad's part of the bag. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's the way I see it. If you're going to have the sleeping pad anyway, which I always would. I mean, I can't imagine sleeping straight on the ground without a sleeping pad under me. So you're going to carry it anyway. You might as well lose some of the insulation from the bag because you're going to have it with your sleeping pad anyway. So,
0: Right. Yep. Hmm. Well, what about the whole tarp thing? Was this your first time to sleep on the ground with only a tarp? <laughs> it was. You know, I know In you the do
1: it. And you're all about the tarp, and I think it sucks, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny. I had my poncho with me for good reason. But when I got to setting up the tarp, um, one, unfortunately, I wasn't on flat ground. the The spot that we chose to camp just... There wasn't flat ground for the two people sleeping on the ground, so we both slid. Well, in my tarp, I was a little worried about the rain kind of coming in the end of the tube and then running down to me, so I closed up one of the ends with my poncho. So here's this clown in the wilderness. He's got a blue tarp that looks like it should be over a a cordwood pile. And he's got a poncho strapped to the end of the the tarp system. But, man, it kept me dry generally, you know. It worked in that sense. It was like good for emergency shelter, not so good for, you know, nice comfy camping. So, you know, the, the tarp will probably go to better use, you know, as a tarp should.
0: Um, well, you know, me, I'll always be under a tarp (laughs) and the main reason for that 2 Well, multiple reasons. I got to tell the listeners the reason I use a tarp when I backpack one, I love to be able to see out at night and in the morning to be able to look in, in all directions and see without a tent being in the way. And I can set the tarp up to do that for two. Curtis is afraid of the the, dark. No, I like to see, (laughs) um, for two, I also like the the way that you can set it up in different configurations, depending on what the wind is doing. You can block more wind or let more wind through, and it's just super, super uh, flexible that way. Whereas tents, in some situations, just get way too hot. Uh, The tarp, you can set it up, so that's not going to happen. Now, here's the reverse, though. Am I going to use just a tarp for winter camping? I've done that, but I dig a snow pit put the tarp over. So the snow becomes the insulation. Right. Um, really, you need a four season tent for winter camping. A, a tarp alone, unless you're digging a snow pit or a snow cave, a Kwanzaa hut or something, it, it's not going to be sufficient. But it does work if you dig a snow pit and then tarp it. I've done that and it, it works really, really well. But another reason that I really like the tarp is just weight. Tents are heavy and that tarp weighs nothing, you know, maybe, maybe less than a pound if mm-hmm. you have the right tarp. And Yeah, you might get a little bit wet if it's windy and rainy, but the reality is I always get a little bit wet in a tent when it's windy and rainy. So I don't know. Well, for me, it's the bugs.
1: The bugs absolutely drive me crazy. Like even in, you know, in this, it it wasn't until it really cooled off that night uh, until the mosquitoes would leave me alone, but you know, if you got to sleep in an open, open-ended sleep setup and you have your head exposed, the mosquitoes come in and try to gnaw on you all night. And I used the, the head net. You gave me a mosquito head net not too long ago, and I actually took that with me, luckily. But you can't breathe through those darn things, you know? So the whole night- it depends I'm, on what you have, yeah. Yeah, I was laying awake, you know, ready for the mosquitoes to go away just so I could take it off and breathe fresh air, you know? It's, <laughs> it's like, this is, a, this is not a good sleeping setup, you know? It <laughs> stayed awake. Well, well, I probably
0: night. gave you that net cuz it didn't work. Yeah. It, it probably just was too lousy, but jerk. You know th- there are mosquito nets that are lighter weight and more breathable too. So maybe you have to toy around with that. But you didn't give me that that's one. That's my choice. I mean, I <laughs> I just really like uh, the lightweight part of that. Yeah. And I keep I thinking, keep thinking back to that night we woke up with the uh, the mother and and the calf moose in the camp. And how wonderful it was to be able to lay in the tarp and watch them. Whereas if we were in the tent, we would have heard them. But if you you know you run a zipper, they're gone. So mm-hmm. we could just lay under our tarps and watch and enjoy it. And you know you can't do that in a tent very easily. So I still say tarps have some advantages.
1: No, I'm with you. And when you talk about digging a snow pit and putting a, a tarp over it, I like that option. Our winter camping trips that we've done, you know, we've dug snow caves and slept in those, but we've We've talked about going back and doing it, and just basically digging a pit with a tarp. I like that idea. I mean, unless it's snowing three feet that night, you might be in a little bit of a trouble. But, uh, but I'm kind of more game to do that if I can hold enough heat in um, than dig a snow pit. I mean, a snow uh, uh, shelter because it's, it's one. It's a lot of work. You'd go out and you spend three hours digging a a snow cave. You know, oh, yeah, and then, they're, they're a lot of work. <laughs> like me, I lay under the thing waiting for it to collapse on me. You know, it's my mentality. <laughs> well,
0: I prefer the tarp over the snow cave, and I've done several snow caves. And I did do the tarp one time without you, Travis, and we did it in a blizzard. The temperatures got below zero. The wind was howling, and it was snowing like crazy. We we probably got eight inches of snow in an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. So. It didn't snow that hard all night. I did wake up in the middle of the night and from inside of my shelter, I would punch the, the tarp to knock the snow off because I didn't want it to sag and, and collapse in on us. Mm-hmm. But it still worked. It worked just fine. It's not quite as warm as a snow cave, but I would suggest that it's quite a bit warmer than, it, than a tent. Right. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, with
1: all the, with the walls, well-insulated walls around you. Well, I have to say if you guys yep. are looking, I'm going to go back to the bag for a second. If you guys are looking for a good warm 0 degree bag and it's, you know, you're not looking to spend the money of uh, Everest expedition level equipment, check out Big Agnes. A lot of you guys might not have heard of them. They're a small company in Steamboat, Colorado. The bag that I have is the uh the Storm King 0 degree bag with the 2 track sleeping pad. So go check them out. Um they have good quality stuff, and their prices are, like I said, there's quality, but it's uh, reasonable prices at the same time. So BigAgnes.com, definitely want to throw a plug to those guys for sending us this equipment for sure.
0: Yeah, thanks, Big Agnes. So I want to so talk want about to the newbie okay, part you of it.
1: Let's talk about the newbie part of it. <laughs>
0: That's where I was headed to. We're okay. on the same page.
1: So, you're right, I'm not a newbie when it comes to backpacking, but with that said, my backpacking experience has been – basically throw the pack on, hike in a mile, two, maybe three, um, and set up base camp and do various adventures, whether it be day hiking or fly fishing, you know, sn- snowshoeing, that kind of stuff from that base camp. And that's been the bulk of my backpacking experience. The rest of my camping experience has been pretty much camping out of that van or off my motorcycle where taking weight, you know, is not nearly as much of an issue as, you know, throwing it on your back. So it was a pretty interesting experience for me to plan on doing a 25 mile loop and carrying three days worth of food, plus a lot of calories, you know, worth of food, not just, you know, easy, you know, easy, um, freeze dried meals, but trying to pack enough calories in. So I was keeping up with, uh, with my exertion, um, so it was kind of eye-opening in a way to have to throw that much weight on my back and spend that much time out there. And you know me, Kurt. I mean, I've showed up with my pack, you know, probably weighing 45, 50 pounds on some of these winter trips. And yes. you're looking at me like, what <laughs> the heck is wrong with you, you know? Well, I got my car heart and, you know, <laughs> I, got, I got my big stomping boots for our winter trip. Um, I got my pack down to I, – I think I was really at 35 once I – you know, throw the the water, the small amount of water that I took with me, you know, just like an analogy bottle. When I include that in the weight that I'm carrying, I was about 35 pounds with the setup. But man, even at 35 pounds, you quickly want to figure out what you need to do to eliminate, you know, shed more weight, you know, and you can dump a lot of money into, you know, a lot of Cuban fiber stuff and, and whatnot. But I need to I want to figure out how to drop weight without, you know, dumping $1,500 into additional gear. And that's uh, that's kind of a big thing, you know. So for me to realize with the gear that I have um, in the distance I want to go, they don't quite match up too well together. So it was in a way, I mean, I would have continued to do that 25 mile loop, but in a way, the, the way this weekend turned out, it was actually, it ended up being a really good test bed to gauge what I would and would not want to carry on a longer, uh, through
0: hike for sure. Yeah. It's a good shakedown. I, you know, when I go backpacking, I always, at the end of the trip, I look at the pack and I say, okay, what did I not really use? Mm-hmm. What could I have left at home? And I go through that exercise a lot, and it's helped. But there's some things that are hard to leave at home. You're going to have to carry some weight. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, and obviously, modern gear is uh, is a little better. I mean, I weighed my pack, and I weighed my wife's pack, and I ended up taking my wife's pack just because it was a half-pound lighter. But we were talking five-and-a-half pounds versus six pounds. You know, in current bags you, you, you buy, the packs are what? two and a half pounds, you know, and that makes a big difference. You know, if you do that over and over and over again with your equipment, all of a sudden you're down to a a 20 pound pack, you know, and, and I don't know, I have to kind of research that and figure out the middle road, you know, how to, what to do and what not to do. I don't, I don't expect to get down to a 20 pound pack, but I prefer it not be 35 at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, we've interviewed a lot of people that are the experts on this, and uh, maybe you should go back and listen to some of those shows, Travis. That's a good idea.
1: I should listen to this show and see if I can get some tips and tricks. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They're there for sure.
1: Get outside with the Colorado Mountain Club. The CMC offers 3,000 outdoor skills courses, excursions, and special events every year to adventurers of all ages and abilities. Join today and receive an additional three free bonus months at www.cmc.org slash sports and use discount code PODCAST.
0: Bentgate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for the last 20 years. Spring has sprung, but there's still a lot of great skiing in the backcountry. And it's prime time to check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and splitboarding gear. Bentgate carries the premier brands including Black Crows, DPS, Dinafet, G3, Icelandic, K2, Rocky Mountain Underground, Rossignol, Solomon Voli, Never Summer, and Jones. With more people in the backcountry than ever... It's crucial to be prepared. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags. Come in and they will set you up with a proper gear and point you in the right direction to educate yourself on snow safety. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment, including the latest skis, boots, splitboards, beacons, shovels, and probes. Bentgate also hosts free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a hands-on opportunity to ride the latest gear. Be sure to check bentgate.com for their full product selection as well as updates on all of their events. Dude, let's talk a little bit about the membership site. I don't want to bore people with it, but we haven't talked about it much. So for people who have not heard about it, what is our membership site? So you
1: guys, this is how you guys can help us keep the show going. Obviously, shows take time. They take money. They take energy. Kurt and I love adventure sports. We do love putting this show out for you guys, I being mean, where. I think I just posted episode 277 today. So we're clicking right along. So a lot of good information out here and and even tips and tricks on how to reduce your pack weight. It's uh, what we've just learned. Um, so if you guys feel like you're getting an awesome uh, product out of us, we hope that you'll go, you guys will consider helping us uh, by becoming a member on our member deal site. And in doing that, you're basically giving us, you know, signing up for a year subscription or even a monthly subscription um, to throw us a few bucks for what we do, but it also gives you uh, awesome discounts on great adventure related vendors. So we're working to keep New vendors coming into the site uh, on a regular basis. And so you can go on the site, you can see uh, new people coming through. They're all giving you a discount. You can just click through and use the Adventure sports podcast deal that we've arranged with them and save yourself some money. So Kurt, I would say tell them where they can find it.
0: Well, you can always go to the dot com, the standard website. And there is a blue button on the right where you can click in. It'll take you to the member site. But the URL for the member site is members.adventuresportspodcast.com, right? Yep, members.adventuresportspodcast.com. So you can go there directly. And we have um, a lot of vendors there. And let's just give some genres maybe instead of going down the list of all the different vendors. But we have people that are providing discounts on backpacking food and trail snacks and stuff like that. So Travis, you grab one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm into motorcycles, so you can get some. If you're a an adventure rider, you get get cool deals on um on gear for them, on rentals for some of them. Uh, how about mountain biking? I mean, one of our vendors, AZD AZT Expeditions, is one that I want to take advantage of. If you guys want to ride the Cocopelli Trail or you know the the Arizona Trail, um. These guys will actually pack up your stuff for you, let you ride it, and they'll meet you at each one of your camps. So there are discounts like that. And like all the things that you guys love to do and you hear about on the show, these vendors will basically give you deals on being able to do, take advantage of that kind of stuff. I mean, John yeah. – you know, photography, John Fielder photography. I mean, he's got an awesome um, – Awesome gallery oh, down yeah. in Denver.
0: You can save tons of money with John Fielder stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean skydiving, uh, mountain climbing, you know, mountain climb, uh, Colorado Mountain Club type stuff.
0: Yep, we've got outfitters that take you on guided adventure trips to to different places. You can save hundreds and hundreds of dollars if you want to take one of their trips.
1: Yep. So, I mean, it, it runs the gamut of adventure sports. We're going to continue to get more and more vendors um, on there as part of uh, a part of those deals. So, again, it gives you guys a way to help us out and you guys also get a great kickback in the end. So it's a win-win for both of us. Um, a lot of shows would we'll do... um you know, other donation sites and essentially, you know, I don't know, maybe send you stickers or something for your money, but we wanted to give you something bigger and give you some real savings off of your adventures. So go on there and maybe you'll even be inspired to, uh, to use one of them to plan an adventure that you weren't thinking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to throw it out there again, Travis. Um, if you do an annual membership, then we'll send you a free 180 stove. And the 180 stove is about the same price as the annual membership. So essentially, uh, you're getting either the membership or the stove for free, whichever way you want to look at it. That's just our way of saying thanks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, we are we run our own products on the site as well. So as a member, you save 25% off of our stuff. So if you're thinking about buying a 180 stove, a 180 flame or a bear Bearline, um, you can certainly save money right off the bat just by becoming a member of the site. So definitely worth checking out, guys.
0: Yeah, we're really cool. Well, Travis, as someone who hasn't done as much backpacking, um, did you learn anything on this trip that you would change on the next one?
1: Um, You know, we talked about the weight thing with the pack. I definitely learned that I want to focus a little bit more on the equipment that I carry. Like I said, I don't want to get crazy about investing um, in my equipment. I want to buy a few things that make a lot of sense, a lot of bang for the buck items i the pro my problem is I have too many hobbies that I already put money into already, so it's like well, I can't really take on another hobby that's gonna take a a whole budget you know line item itself, but i think I think in the realm of weight, one of the things I realized is I was carrying some heavier type clothing, you know there are some good quality um gear out there that will do the same thing as some heavy cotton sweatshirt will do for a heck of a lot (laughs) less weight. You know, I think between that and honestly, it's just foot and pain management for me. I've always had a bad ankle. I've screwed it up too many times by breaking it and, and twisting it. And for me, it was a good gauge to see what kind of distances and weight I could carry and deal with the pain management of my ankle. So, um, I think, I think that trip made me think I need to, uh, to rethink the, you know, stretching and, and pain man, pain management for my ankle. But they were kind of the,
0: the two big eye-openers for me. Mm. Also sounds like you could benefit from some rain pants. Nah, poncho. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, in a big rainstorm like you experienced, you need something for the bottom half of the body because you find yourself where where every blade of grass is trying to soak you, you know? So I, I think rain pants would have made a world of difference. You
1: know, for me, it was, I have low top, um, Merrill trail hikers and that's what I took and they're really comfortable They're, they're lightweight, they're comfortable and they were great on my feet the entire time, but they got soaked through so quickly. Like I said, the poncho was, you know, the rain was hitting the poncho and just pretty much draining right on top of the shoes and they're not waterproof whatsoever. So footwear, is a consideration you know i have another uh pair of leather hiking boots that i might consider taking next time just because of that because hiking in wet
0: feet's no fun either you know yeah yeah travis i have one more question for you this is a question that a friend of mine came up with who's actually kind of close to the show and i thought it was a great question to ask some of our guests so here it is What would you tell your younger self? What would be your advice to your younger self if you could go back and tell him how to live life?
1: I've heard that question before, and it's a good one, I think. Um, (laughs) I've never sat here and thought about how I would answer, though. Off the cuff, though, I think what I would say is I would tell him not to sweat the small stuff, that... You just need to go out and try new things. Forget the fear. Um, put aside the allure of the couch or laziness. Now, I'm not a couch potato, but at the same time, we all get sucked into it. You know, from time to time, it's like, well, I could go on that trip, but I also could stay home. <laughs> you know, I could be a homebody. Um, so, I would think I would tell them just throw caution to the wind and don't worry about some of the things that keep you from doing some of the things you have considered doing, just go do them, try them. You know, you're not going to die. You know, you might not have the best experience um, that you could, but what you're going to learn is how to have a better experience next time. So I don't know. I think that would be the big thing that I would tell my my younger self.
0: Yeah. You know what? I've done a ton of adventure sport type adventures through my life. But when I look back on the years, I think I wish I would have done more and i think what i would tell myself i'm not trying to answer my own question but i'm doing it anyway i think i would like to tell myself don't sweat the cost so much find a way to live on less and find a way to take more time off and to experience more of life i i'm with you get out there and do it I, you know we end every show by saying get out there and have some fun um i mean that it it's so rewarding when you find something you love to do and you plug into it and you get so many benefits. It's, it's mentally, stress relief, spiritually, uh, you know, but physically, physical health. When you have something that's active that you love to do and it calls your name all the time, then it motivates you to, to stay active and to stay healthy and to eat a little better. And I think the, the benefits of taking on a sport that you love, you know, figure out a way to do it. Don't just get wrapped up into a, a career. And pour all of your energy and your vitality into uh a career when you could be balancing a little bit better is maybe one way to say it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean what it all comes down to is, you know, you're lying on your deathbed when you're hopefully well and old, and what are you gonna miss more, you know, from your your time on this earth? Are you gonna miss, you know, you think are you gonna think that, well, I should have spent more time in front of the computer screen for the for the company or should I have gotten out more, you know, on, on some of these adventures or spent more time with with my kids, you know? Obviously, we all know the answer to that. We just have to remember it in everyday life, you know, how we're going to think of ourselves when we're old and gray.
0: Yeah, cool, man. Well, you know, listeners, I hope that you don't mind Travis and I kind of carrying on about what we've been doing a little bit. I uh, I think it's fun to to kind of dive into what we're about a little bit not just always uh visiting with some of these fantastic guests i mean we we can't compare to them they're they're awesome people that we have on the show but hopefully uh you don't mind connecting with us from time to time and travis thanks for sharing what your backpacking trip was like didn't turn out the way you wanted but like we've said so many times sometimes that is the definition of adventure right
1: Well, absolutely. And like I said, I think it, what it does is kind of set me up better for the next one. And, you know, going back to your comment about, you know, we can't live up to, you know, some of the adventures we have in the show. And that's, it's true. It absolutely is. I don't, I don't do this show because I want people to think that I'm some super adventure adventurer that does all of these things i don't we don't you know we're just everyday people we like to get out there and do what we like to do and we like to spread the word and we like to hear about what other people have done and we like to live the inspiration and provide the inspiration so i think it's kind of fun to talk about this um the way we have because yeah i'm not a big big bad butt backpacker, you know, but that's, what's cool about it is because we want to inspire others that may not be anything, but the average Joe at the same time, we want to inspire them to get out. So that's me in this backpacking situation. It's new to me for the most part. Um, and it's neat to, uh, to experience it and share the story.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, I want to I wanna add to your average Joe, the average Jane. I've been thinking, I'm not going to go on about this, but we interview probably as many women as men and such amazing gals who do such great stuff. Oh, yeah. And I'm just blown away by these female adventurers, but our survey reveals that our audience is still mostly men. So guys, get your wives listening to this and your girlfriends or your female friends who may not be a girlfriend but let the ladies know this isn't a show for the guys this is a show for humans and uh i just want to point that out cuz we have so many great female guests on the show you know so yeah let's make sure that that the gals find out about the show too
1: yeah absolutely i'm mean, how, how many of us guys uh, are out there that have a wife or a girlfriend that is maybe a little interested in adventure, but not the one to come home on a Friday night and say, let's pack it up and go hit the wilderness. Um, Maybe if they're also listening to the show, they're going to come home and tell you that they want to come home and and load up the car and go do something awesome, (laughs) you know? So get them listening to the show and you might uh, find a little bit different story.
0: Yep, yep. I got to throw one more thing out there, Travis. I still am trying to nail you down on the dates for the... Gunnison Colorado mountain biking weekend trip so we're gonna have to do that one
1: all right well we'll find time to do it there's a it's gonna be a quick summer I know but
0: there's too many things on the
1: schedule we'll just have to figure out how to shoehorn it in
0: I just wanted to pin you down in front of a few thousand of our closest friends yeah thanks for that (laughs) (laughs) so we'll do a show on that someday we'll tell you how it went but that's really all I had Travis what do you have
1: I'm good. You know what? It's, it's evening, my stomach's growling, so I'm good to wrap up this episode.
0: Right on. Well, thanks again, man. And as always to all of our listeners, get out there and have some fun.
1: Coming up on Monday's episode, Mark Patterson tells us about going from playing in the NFL to climbing the seven summits. Until then, get out and have some fun.